0: Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Brandon, and joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello, Mr. Joe. Hello, Mr. Matt, and hello, dear listener. Welcome back. Episode 39, season three. Oh, Next week. Season three. Season three, we're nearly nearly done with season three. In fact, it's coming towards the end of the year. Oh, you know, think about it. We're we're oh. in we're well into October. We've then we've just got November, December is basically just Gear of the Year. There's only like gear one podcast in year. Gear of the Year, and then uh, in in December, and then it's Gear of the Year, and then it's, it's ge- it
1: gear of the year just me and you battling it out joe is that it
0: (laughs) i don't know i don't know if we'll have some maybe we'll have guests on again i really enjoyed having mikey and thorpey on last year but we'll have you back this year and then maybe we'll i don't know maybe we'll have someone else
1: suggestions from listeners if you're in the facebook group Mm. let's know Mm. kind of like the idea maybe me and you joe and then bringing in some guests to bring in to bring in there to bring in their Thoughts, so we kind of pick pick it out and then That's we kind good. of you know, so i
0: don't, know. I'd, don't like, know I'd like maybe jackson from dip switch demos he's a strong contender for me yeah um or maybe we could do that maybe we could do like friends of the podcast um what would they pick yeah you're so- wrong <laughs> but you know yes exactly there's uh, so many of them but we'll see we'll see we'll get there anyway so yeah we are we are getting to that time dear listener this week this week we're going to talk about a Bunch of new stuff that Matt's got through the door, and some stuff that he's failed to get through the door because UBS, <laughs> UBS can't deliver to Matt's house. Yeah. Apparently, they apparently, cannot find they cannot his address. De-
1: deliver to number seventy nine my street
0: <laughs> in London. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's your real house number. I'm surprised you gave that out. Yeah. The Street
1: Seventy Nine, The Street, London. London Go find that's it.
0: it. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about a bunch of new stuff. I've had some cool new stuff from Victory. Matt's got a pedal that's arrived. Um, I sent Matt some stuff that he's been checking out. So that so we've got some we've got some cool new releases this week. Of course, the Boss DS1W. I'm very excited about that. The DS1 is you know that has got to be one of the whether. Is it the best-selling pedal in it's the difficult. history it's, of the world? It's difficult to know
1: because um, obviously that data isn't readily available in most places. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we have sold 1.5 million. <laughs> so, you know, if another company comes out and says, we've sold X. I mean, you know, what are we talking about here? We're talking about the Crybaby. We're probably oh, talking about yeah. the Tube Screamer. Mm, Yeah, you know, probably talking about
0: (sighs) those are the three, surely. The Cry Baby, the Tube Screamer, and the DS1, like the modern Big big Muff. No, but the problem with the Big Muff, there's been too many of them. Well, yeah, there's no like like, one Big Muff that everyone buys since,
1: yeah. I mean, I couldn't have sold a million Big Muffs of like the Big Muff that came out in like the early 2000s. Hmm. I mean, the Boss one, relatively unchanged. I mean, the sound, the circuit is the same. The way that they're designed inside has changed. The circuit boards changed in terms of how big they are and and stuff like that. But ultimately, the se- they sound exactly the same. Right. You know, we've not changed the design of cases or done a V two or anything like that. It's mm. just the DS one. So yeah, one point five. I have two million. Well, I was talking to someone the other day, good friend uh, Andy Ferris um, oh, yes. from the Guitar Geek, and yes. he was like, oh, I've got eight DS1s. I eight? mean, wow. I'm actually looking at one, two, three, four on my shelf, so, you know.
0: Really? That's... Are they all different types? They are. Um, what have you got?
1: I have a... Uh, what have i got i've got a guitar center exclusive reverse color ds1 which is black and orange oh that's very cool rather than orange and black i've got a mammoth electronics modded ds1 which is a gift from blake and the people at mammoth at the first nan went to i've got a 40th anniversary ds1 which we had etched for the house of vans event oh yes what Um, color was that uh that's black and gold but that's that's etched i remember i thought
0: about getting that
1: and then i've got oh somewhere behind one of these oh and then i've got my original 1978
0: ds1 in Uh, what way does the japanese 1978 ds1 differ from is it taiwan they're made now
1: tai no they're made in malaysia LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now, so Japan, Taiwan, Malaysia. I mean, in terms of how they differ, I mean, they're basically you know, some component changes. Yeah. But, you know, just because where one company stops making a component, I guess, you know, and Mm. it changes. If you open one up now, the circuit board's much smaller, for example. Do you find any tonal difference between them? No, I think they all sound Mm. relatively the same. Um, I mean, it's just the iconic DS1 sound, realistically. I mean, there's always a thing of like, oh, you know, Japanese one sounds better and, you know, maybe there is some <laughs> mojo in 40-year-old components, but realistically the DS1 sound is the DS1 sound. I mean, the Metal yeah. Zone sound is still the Metal Zone sound and we've been making that pedal since 1991. So, you know. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things, isn't it? Maybe mic- microtonally, that's probably <laughs> not the right word because microtone or something else, but... You know, I guess you could argue some changes, some differences. I think what made the DS1 for a lot of people, you know, early on, especially a lot of the boutique builders now, is that DS1 allowed you to mod, you know, in the way you know that's yeah. change and 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 what is effectively kind of a simple circuit, you know, change it in a multitude of different ways.
0: I've been thinking about getting one of mine because I've got two only because I got one and then forgot I owned it and bought a second one.
1: Classic, and that's the thing—they're like fifty-nine pounds, you know. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Why
0: wouldn't you have a whole bunch of DS ones? Yeah, I think uh, I think um, there. I, I got my first one because I was working at GAC, and I think boss had like a point system for employees. Like uh, you had to watch some training videos, and you could earn points. And uh, they, uh, yeah, they, yeah. They, they'd give you a DS-1 if you watched every single video, uh, which I did. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I was thinking about getting one of mine modded, maybe having adding a clean blend and maybe seeing if I can do something about uh, maybe making that tone control uh, a, a little more open. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what modders can do. So I've never had a pedal modded.
1: Um, well, the most famous ones is the Keeley mod, um, which they don't do anymore. The All Seeing Eye mod. I think a lot of them changed. I mean, ultimately, a lot of them kind of changed like, oh, this, the DS1's noisy, so we've made it less noisy, and we've added right. more gain and, you know, various different things. Or we've, we've changed it so it sounds a bit like this, or... You know, okay, I guess changing the game structure a little bit or whatever. And the DS1W, um, that we, oh, you're going straight
0: in, we're going straight well, in, you know, there's no why point of jumping why jumping back?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, launched DS1W on Thursday, uh, Waza Waza fied DS1, um, and yeah, effectively, standard mode is your classic DS1 sound, but obviously, we've got the Waza buffers in there now, so, improved buffers made in Japan. And then on the custom side, you've now got basically like more dynamics. So right, we've kind really? of really, yeah. Well, Ooh. the original one as well is quite the original DS1 sounds quite mid scooped, right? So, um, well, there's a bit of a mid dip, so the custom mode adds a bit more of a mid push. Oh, um, oh, I'm
0: excited,
1: you know. Cut through that mix, Joe. A um, uh, bit of a mid, a mid push, um, more volume. I think six dB more volume. Um, slightly better clean up with the volume control. Like I said, a little bit more dynamics, um, and I guess that's the kind of the main thing. And I think ultimately more gain, more gain, more volume, slightly different EQ curve. And I think what's interesting about the tone control, which probably a lot of people don't know. Is that as you turn it up, it boosts highs and cuts lows, and as you turn it down, it boosts lows and cuts highs. Rather than just oh. like a treble control, if you will, it just doesn't just make it brighter. Uh, which I, which is you know what I like about it. You know, you can leave it in the middle, and you know, subtle movements make make the big difference.
0: I mean, that makes it very bass friendly as yeah, well. Yeah,
1: and I th- I think as well, people forget that the reason that obviously apart from the fact that it looks neat that when you see everything pointing straight up on a boss pedal that is like the engineers intended like this is the setting you start at it's not just like it looks neat it's like no that is a usable sound and that's where you start and then everything comes out from that um but there's some great videos there's some great videos out there and every video and everyone demoing it's done it in their own way,
0: in their own style, which I love. What what uh, good uh, demos have you seen? So I, I haven't, I didn't have any time. When did it come out? It came out Thursday, Thursday. and I barely had a second. So, so.
1: from the ones I, I kind of with the people that I sort of spoke to to get things uh, moving, um, Harry Holden from a YouTube channel called Harry and the Guitar. Really good, really classic. Oh, I love Harry, he's yeah. great.
0: He's a bit oasis y for me.
1: He does but, a lot of covers, and yeah. He but always, he's a great player, yeah. He is absolutely amazing. Player, um, so very classic DS1 sounds from him. Uh, Paul from the studio rats, um, who's been helpful to of the, the podcast, podcast, indeed, friend of the podcast. He's great because he's just again, such a great player, but he's got that real kind of shreddy sort of vibe to him as well, which is great. And, um, He's playing a kind of Paisley 2P90 pickup, which I think we were talking about last week as well. And then uh, the one for me, which sets the DS1W apart from all the other videos, especially if you're not into the... Perhaps you've heard of DS1 before and you've gone, ah, it's cheap or whatever. And yeah, you know, you've got various preconceptions about the ds1 perhaps go and watch a video from sasha vantic who's based out uh in belgium his video the track he plays at the beginning the sound is almost clean like edge of breakup like this beautiful like bluesy guitar sound that he's doing over this backing track with strings
0: and you just wouldn't believe it was a ds1 it's I, just I, so like, amazing! I am so excited. I'm going to go and watch these videos. It's a pedal. <laughs> <Right> but- <laughs> yeah. Goodbye, listener. Um, but no, the, um, it's such a great pedal. It's yeah. It's something that I, it's I, I I really love the 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 DS1 just as it stands. So I'm very excited about about this.
1: Yeah, I think for me one of the big things, you know, and I guess one of the big things that we kind of thought about was the price. You know, a lot of wireless pedals are. 200 pounds, you know, over 200 euros I guess. Sure. Um, yeah. and when you've got a DS1 that's 59 pounds, yeah, 50 that's pounds it, market. Isn't it? Um you know, I thought this one is was a, a great price at I think they're 129 pounds at the moment. I've seen them for. Yeah. Um and that's weight. you know, that's like 70 pounds cheaper than most other Wazer pedals, but again, just not too expensive, but someone who wants who's got a DS1 who maybe wants something a bit different, it's well worth well worth checking out. Such a great sound. That custom mode with a little bit of the mid-push. Fan bloody-tastic.
0: Blimey. Blimey. I, yeah, this is great. A, a, a definite purchase, dear listener, if you're into that DS1 sound at all. I mean, the fact that you can get a Japanese custom pedal for like 130 quid is very good as well anyway. so
1: I mean, it's cheaper than most of the kind of
0: like... Mods, <laughs> Mod yeah. pedals, and even some of the vintage
1: <laughs> DS ones. So uh, wow. you know, if you're thinking about a vintage DS one, then uh, then uh, there you go. And <sighs> you know, everyone's used the DS one. I mean, come on,
0: it's yeah. a
1: DS one.
0: What iconic people have used the DS one?
1: Can you think of Joe any? Satriani? How oh, does he use uh, oh, Surfing with cool. the Alien, which is obviously his like most famous albums, The DS one. Steve Vai, Kirk I mean, if you can go from Surfing with the Alien smells like teen spirit <laughs> um you've got a pretty broad spectrum of um of sounds right there you yeah. know grunt from you know la shred to seattle grunge yeah um john for i think used one for a bit oh cool um I, we did have a, a ridiculous list somewhere prince i mean
0: oh yeah of course prince
1: you know he loves it he, he was like <laughs> you know he, he could write a song about the ds1 probably did <laughs> um,
0: i love all the pictures of his pedal board where he he's got one of those uh like uh curved pedal boards that goes around him and every single pedal is just a boss pedal
1: you um it's one of those things and that it? like i i was going somewhere the other day and i put prints on and it's like you can't deny that he's just the absolute best just an absolute he machine is. yeah um and I always think... And every time I, I want cheering up, I always watch that video of Prince playing While My Guitar Gently Weeps with, like, all of those other <laughs> famous players. And he just rips his solo better than anyone else and then just throws his guitar throws in the air guitar. and literally disappears. You know, he, like, throws it in the air and then they just cut to that wide ankle and everyone's cheering. It's like, was that guitar?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he just threw it up. It never came back. Here's yeah. the thing. You could... If you had not seen it and and you listed the players in that video, you'd probably suggest that Prince is outclassed on that stage. But if you watch that video, his his parts, his solo, it's not that he's shreddier; he's more tasteful, Absolutely. his tone is better, it's more articulate, there's more feel to what he's doing it's ridiculous that he steals the show for he's someone who's a performer. You almost think of Prince as a singer almost before you think of him as a guitarist. Whereas a lot of the other people on that stage were people with careers built around being the pinnacle of guitar. Mm. Prince is there looking amazing. You know, he actually dressed up unlike a lot of the other fellas that, that were there. And uh, yeah, and just absolutely shredded his heart out, you know, played a, a ridiculously lovely solo and, and, a wonderful version of that song and then through the guitar apparently through the roof
1: yeah um so yeah you've got a a, a pretty broad spectrum of players prince kurt cobain joe satriani i know what more what else could you want to cover (laughs) um so yeah so ds1w definitely i would say if you've dismissed ds1 before Give the last one a go. Yeah, You'd be pleasantly yeah. surprised.
0: There you go. I think that's the earliest we've ever done news of the week on an episode of the podcast. So well done. Congratulations to both of us. Yes.
1: Um, well, there we go. You know, stress shake things up a little bit.
0: <laughs> but uh dear listener, we when we finish this episode, we're going to we're gonna go over onto the Patreon episode where, as usual, we're gonna talk about a question or a thing that's been asked by or discussed by listeners in the facebook group in the guitar nerds group on facebook and over the last few weeks i've been kind i've been asking people you know have you got any questions we've got a great list over the last couple of weeks but this week instead of asking people again i just had a little flick through and there were some great topics that people were discussing for one one of the things i'd like to talk about is al russell talked about looking for a um, a 335 and ending up on a Stratocaster. And he was one of about four or five people that I'd, I'd seen posting about purchasing strats recently. So that's something that we might talk about. Andy Manley also has pointed out a 1969 Gretsch Corvette, a guitar that I didn't know existed. Um, so we might talk a bit about that rather than taking a question. But we'll see. We'll choose at the end. All, all I can think about now is Prince singing a song called "Little, Little Gretch. Corvette." Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, man. Very good. Oh dear. But uh, but yeah. So so we might do that. Don't forget as well, dear listener. I've been working with KMA Machines recently. I talked about this last week, but the uh, giveaway that they're running continues for another week, so you can win a Chief Disruptor, which is their version of a big muff loaded up with three different big muff voicings plus a separate foot switch that allows you to bring in either like a scooped or a boosted mids as well as a clean blend which i think is very good as well as a low and a high eq that you can either uh you can either blend or run post or pre eq which is very nice it's a think of it as a big muff with some attention to detail and you can win that on the instagram channel i'm very involved in choosing the winner you should definitely do it dear listeners <laughs> um but uh but yeah go on uh, all, all you've got to do is like a uh, comment on the post but you should do it um get involved Win a chief disruptor is certainly one of my favorite big muffa likes that i've tried over the last little while bloody lovely yes indeed bloody lovely Indeed, now, for me this week, matty Knight, I finally finally had through my uh my updated fidelity um stellarosa uh, base um so so dear listeners will remember I ordered a short scale stellarosa. I don't know, like when did we talk about this? feels it it like over a year ago it was lockdown pandemonium, I think all this happened oh yeah lockdown is just a black hole though isn't it exactly some some time there i ordered um the first ever it's now available on the website as a as a model but i ordered, ordered the first ever stellarosa um bass i made a mistake I, I decided to have it as a short scale i was going through a big short scale kick basically because it was the pandemic and no, one, we weren't practicing or playing and i sort of forgot that my band Polymath only really work if i'm playing a a, you know, a full scale bass, especially when we were in drop C. It just it just didn't work on a on a short scale bass. So um Matt Oram from Fidelity Guitars was kind enough to recut me a 33 and a half inch scale neck. He also fixed a couple of other things that uh, that weren't wrong with the with the original one I had, but were more to my preference. Uh I got him to do something he doesn't do on any other uh, models of his guitar i got him to lacquer the the neck um, the whole neck like well, not including the fretboard it, not not the board but the back oh, of the okay. neck the same as you would have any vintage Fender or, or any gibson any standard gibson you're gonna have that sticky lacquered finish neck which i love um it makes an instrument feel it makes an instrument feel proper they feel unfinished to me uh otherwise uh, they feel like toys okay. a little bit cheap when they're you know, with anything, when they're like those matte necks, they just—it's the reason I can't get behind those the new American Fenders. Is because right. they've gone for a slight vintage tint, but it's satin, and that just makes it look like an orange wood. It looks like and feels like the laminate wood you get on Argos furniture for students. <laughs> that's 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 how I that's how okay. I view it. I know it's not that, but I know it's not that. But that's that's. What it's reminiscent for me, so I need that lacquer, I need that stickiness to feel like I'm playing a, a real right. guitar. So yeah, so I've got that, I've got that here. Popped a big set of fifty-five to one ten strings on there. I've um, shoved the action up as far as, as far <laughs> as it can go, so you can fit your hand was it, underneath the strings. Is that
1: because Matt just simply refused to set it up the way you wanted? Because he was just like <laughs> no. No moron wants to set up <laughs> like that.
0: I like it to be a fight, and this is a real fight, which is, uh, which is what I want. Uh, so, yeah, so I've, I'm really happy with it since I got it back. Very clangy. I've got a Mojo Pickups diner Bass pickup in the middle. So, like the Dynatron or whatever the, that pickup's called. Um, it's a P90 style pickup, an oversized P90 style pickup, bang in the middle, single volume control. And I have a push-push mute system on the bridge, so I can just press it in and it will pop up and mute the strings so I can get a nice double bass sound, or I can press it back down and get that proper full-on bass sound. No tone nice. control, nothing else. You know, black lacquered finish. Lovely. Lovely. Couldn't be happier with it.
1: Amazing. Amazing. I mm. um, Yeah, I've just fallen into the the black hole that we always, I always fall into uh, when on the Fidelity website, which is like, which one would I choose? <laughs> um, yeah, I just think, I, I mean, the Stellarosa light bass, I think, is wicked. I'm assuming
0: yours is just one pickup, right? Exactly the same. So, actually, so if you're on the website, and dear listeners, the same, fidelity-guitars.co.uk, um, I think the white bass they have on their Stellarosa light bass, um, uh, uh, like picture is is the very same pickup I have in the same position, but it's got a pickup surround on it in that, right. and it's got a split a split scratch. Whereas I've gone for a full body scratch plate, um, and and that pickup without the pickup surround.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: so yes, so to to the base that is on their mind is very similar.
1: So you're taking this one out
0: on tour? I am. Yes, in fact, I am. I just. Uh, I just added it to my carne list um, so that we can get into Northern Ireland. Um, and I have added it to my my band's insurance this week. So it's officially Amazing. going. It's officially. It's been tour <laughs>
1: stamped.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's going. It's how, going. Um, how hot is the pickup on that? Is it quite a real vintagey, like, fuddy base? Is it a bit more? No, it's quite hot it's it is quite hot. it's very articulate it's loud um, but it is uh, I, I, because there's just one of them and it's in the middle of the body on the bass mm. it's it's very clangy sounding. it's got that sort of Rick and backery vibe to mm. it almost mm. more than the p bass vibe right. um, because it's not humbucking um, so so it's it's noise it's a noisy pickup. And, yeah, it's just sort of, yeah, very clangy is the word I, I, I can use clangy. to describe it. Yeah. It does look dead cool.
1: I, I'm, I'm torn, Joe. Uh, you know, if I had to order one right now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, um, gun to the head, what would I order?
0: What and, would I you mean, order? I don't know. I, would you go for a light one, which is where you can have the super affordable uh, Fidelity guitar with a single pickup, a light two with two, or would you go like a full custom spec? the the i think
1: lowest on my list and i think they all look really good the lowest on my list is probably the jb i think if i what yeah lowest on your list yeah i remember playing the Stella rosa at birmingham and and it being super heavy (laughs) i think the three pickup one with all the metal on there i was like oh probably yeah that probably um, was heavy But then, you know, I think it's a cool body shape, and you can obviously have that in a variety of different ways, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do like the double standard. Wow. Um, I like the picture of the double standard's got on there, which is in pink. Yes. Are you sure that's
0: not what's convincing you?
1: (laughs) Uh, It could be. I mean, actually, there's a picture of one in, like, purple, which I think looks kind of cool. And actually, the kind of uh, white also looks nice. Um, yeah, it's like an off pink one with a black scratch plate and then a couple of different pickups. Hard tail, I like that. Do you like the idea of the like big vibrato, like is that a descendant mas- oh, yeah, a master Yeah, they're they're
0: always there? oh they he has one with the mastery, but everything else he uses are descendants, I think. Yeah, descendants. So
1: I don't know, if they look do look cool. Just wish I had more money. Um but yeah, I don't know. I would probably pick double standard. I would potentially go for a different colour. I don't know. I think the black So, for is the listener, Ralex, what's the double standard? The double standard, uh, uh, <laughs> it's always difficult to not liken it to another guitar. Um, I guess you would say it's like a mini double-cut Les Paul. That's how I would describe it.
0: I would say the JB is that. The double standard is... a. Uh, is more cinched around the waist. It's also offset, the double standard. Uh, it's got a, a higher so upper horn is. than very lower mi- horn.
1: Very minimal, though, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I guess you've squeezed squeezed it in in the middle a little bit more and the bottom is poking out a little bit. Um, not as much as the JB, though. The JB's got two more like pointy horns, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess, yeah, kind of like fatter bottomed Les Paul with two mini horns that's slightly offset. Um, and then it's just got this Just – they've just got a really unique retro vibe to them, haven't they? Yeah. Um, just the hardware and the big clunky bits of metal and the gold foil pickups are just like, yeah. I absolutely think, love
0: it. I think from speaking to Matt, the double standard's the only one that I think is entirely Matt's body shape design the jb was something that a friend who wanted a custom build presented the shape to him and he liked it so much he ended up making it a model and it's now a very popular part of his lineup and of course the thundermaker bass is the jb body shape as well so it made it into Mm. bass form as well and then the stellarosa is based on the the japanese the old japanese guitar i can't remember the name of it it's Sounds like Stella Rosa, um, but uh, you know that's obviously inspired by that. So you've you've picked the most Matt Oram fidelity there is. Wow, From I'm the one opposite Matt to another. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it, that's what it is. I'm the opposite. JB is easily my my favorite. Double standard is definitely by far the lowest on my list. I would struggle to. Ch- I think for me, the Stella Rosa is my favorite, but certainly my band all ordered um, JBs. yeah Um, i
1: think um i mean on the website um we'll stop talking about about these in a minute but (laughs) (laughs) there's there's a couple of Deluxe three pickup ones there's a really nice one in sunburst it's got two like charlie Charlie christian pickups in the neck and bridge and a gold foil in the middle with those big metal surrounds which i just i think are wicked um but there's also like a sparkle black one oh the sonic blue looks good as well um <laughs> the sparkle black one looks very cool oh there's a single pickup version as well which is basically like the base and i think the base on the picture on that website does look amazing yeah um so i'm into that i think that's very cool but yeah there's a sparkle black one with a big old descendant trem to um pickups i guess the the other thing for for listeners if you're not looking at it's it's the metal surrounds the custom metal surrounds that you know really just set it apart huge chunky necks on those things as well um just an all-round very cool very different guitar
0: Hmm.
1: yeah i want one
0: yes yes as you should you should get one one day Um, one day one, one day indeed uh, one day indeed now matt you did actually get some things this week a couple of things from uh, well uh well yeah a couple of things from me and one thing that you purchased yourself what do you want to start talking about Shall we because the other two things have linked Shall we uh-huh. quickly talk about
1: Shall we quickly talk about the bridge the elk the elk bridge we talk let's about talk that? about the elk let's talk about elk live yeah um so this so I guess we'll be talking about this more in the coming weeks, but definitely worth mentioning mention now because I think this thing, I hate using the term game changer, Joe, but, you know, I think this, this is definitely an interesting concept that could potentially um, make playing with your bandmates much easier. So I was talking to someone the other day, uh, a friend who's got a relatively successful set of, socials and they were saying that they've started doing a band they've done a record and I was like oh great you know when you're playing live and they're like, oh it's so difficult to play live because I live here I've got a, one of the band people lives in like manchester the other one lives in like scotland and the other person's in like london you know so we're sort of only doing like big shows or we're just sort of recording music and I was like "Oh." You know, and it's like how do you get together and jam and make music with some some people that like live hundreds of miles away. Um and I guess, you know, especially over COVID, you know, not being able to jam with musicians and stuff like that. Or no easy way to do it. Um and me and you Joe, we did a podcast around recording remotely and sending stuff back and forward, but obviously you're not sort of jamming out ideas. No, and that's... We're not
0: we're not thinking of ideas real time, which is no. half of what writing is.
1: Exactly. Um so Lo and behold, here comes a potential solution. Um, So, the bridge by a company called Elk is effectively a bridge uh, between your instruments and a piece of software called Elk Live Studio, which is effectively an aggregate streaming system, I guess you would say, um, like Microsoft Teams or Zoom. But it allows you to you hardwire directly into the internet with this box, as do your other bandmates. And you effectively jam in real-time, latency-free.
0: It's pretty bonkers. I don't understand how that works. I don't understand how you get rid of latency. I always thought latency was dependent on your internet provider.
1: I don't know. Is the answer and that's why <laughs> But clearly we,
0: they've achieved it.
1: They have achieved something. Um and I believe it is it. Um we are obviously gonna try it. Um we are gonna try it um over the next couple of weeks and do a bit more talking on it. Yes. But it's definitely something's happening more. I've got a friend, I mean, on a way, way, way bigger professional level friend who works in a top London studio. Uh, that studio is really famous for recording strings like the philharmonic, london philharmonic orchestra record there quite a lot it's got a big room for doing strings um and quite often they've got like producers doing tracks and they're based in studios in la and they're like well, we're not going to move the whole production to um we're not going to move the whole production to the studio just do strings and they are actually doing remote recording sessions wow so you've got so where you've got a, an internet connection effectively you've got um, you've got music going into a desk and then that, you know, 48, you know, 64 whatever channels of orchestra is being going into one desk and then being sent over the interwebs to another desk and another like Pro Tools set up in a studio in America. Obviously, they've got a much, much bigger and more extreme internet hardware. I mean, their, their internet is connected directly to the mothership as it were there's no like you've got to go to the junction box down the road mate it's like literally it's like a proper like paid for super internet connection it's jack, in the computer into, it's in the computer uh, where this is much more of a um, simple box that you basically have a couple of inputs microphone oh well you've got two I've got the box in front of me so you've got two combi jacks uh, you've got uh, headphones out Uh, You've got a left and right out, and then you've got a network in. uh, You've got optical in and out, MIDI in and out, and uh, all powered off uh, USB-C by the looks of it. Um, And, yeah, effectively, kick out the jams at elk.live. So, yeah, as I said, it's a bit like, I guess, Microsoft Teams for musicians, if you want to look at it that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and Elk Live Studio supports the video as well. The the actual the actual uh, sort of web application, as it were. Mm. So,
1: I guess I should say not latency free. That's they say ultra low latency. Um, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to uh, yeah better just make that clear. But yeah, ultra low latency, plug and play setup, studio quality audio, and that's the main thing. But effectively allows everyone to head backstage, as it were, uh, aggregate your musicians. Start sessions, then you've got a video, and then you've got an onboard mixer as well. So every band member can have their own mix. I know what mix I like, 100% guitar, nothing else. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, the, away you go. It's it's pretty amazing. And then I think there's a... So you have to have a wide internet connection because I think Wi-Fi is probably too unreliable. Uh, 10 mega, uh, megabytes minimum up and down speed and a ping of under 10 milliseconds. Uh, you need an elk bridge, and then you also need an elk live subscription per user. Um, for optimal performance, Bandmate should be within 620 miles.
0: How far are we away from each other, Matt?
1: We are not 620 miles, Joe. I can tell you that. Well, like we, like 60? We are, no, probably about 100. 100.
0: 100 miles. 20 miles? miles? 120 that seems
1: Uh, far hold hold on I'm going to do my house the street London I think it's 60 Um, so no I do not live there
0: And then just do it to my village my village is so small
1: Uh, you live in the village Angamaring Uh, Joe don't give it away don't dox yourself, Joe.
0: Sorry.
1: Uh, no, you're right. It's not hundred miles. I'm a liar. It's fifty-six miles. Yes. It just, it just feels like forever because I have to drive there out of London first. Yeah. Um. So we're we're well within the range of making elk wonderful uh, live. So Elk Bridge is a uh, three hundred pounds, three hundred seventy euros. Uh, the live subscription is about sixteen or th- pounds or sixteen. Thirteen pounds or sixteen euros per month, fifteen dollars for those in the US, Um and that's kind of it, really. We haven't tested it yet, but we're very optimistic. Um, yeah, so it comes on. It
0: comes on quite good authority from people that we know and respect. So we're Indeed. we're uh, we're looking forward to trying it.
1: Indeed, Um and I think as well is there Phantom Power. I was just having a look. Yeah, there's Phantom Power as well. I mean, everything that you could need to be able to like play live which i think is kind of cool i mean mm-hmm. it's yeah you know i mean yes it's a shame that i couldn't play with you know my mate steve in queensland australia Abyssinia. well i technically could um but you know it's um it's 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 very cool I, I like the idea of bringing more musicians together and i think you know someone for like Joe, you'll know this more than me, but how difficult is it getting, well, how many people in polymath now? Five. Five. Getting five
0: people people in the same room when they're all in their mid to late 30s and have jobs. (laughs) Well, they're they're not some of us are in our 40s now, but the, uh, sorry. Like, uh, the, well, you talk about we've got tour in a month's time and uh, we have a practice every week. And so far since June, not all five of us have made it to that practice. And this week was supposed to be the first week where it was all five of us and we were super excited and then our sax player was like, "Guys, I'm so sorry." <laughs> so, we are we we are a month away from tour and we've not managed to have a full rehearsal <laughs> mm. despite paying a a flipping uh, a uh, a residency at Brian Electric. It's just an empty room. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. So this, yeah, this, what a wonderful solution.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, if you can get together and podcast, uh, once a week, um, why can't you get together and all hang out on, uh, on Elk Live and no.
0: jam it out? Exactly. Exactly.
1: So we're, we're going to test it, I think, <laughs> Joe, we're going to test it over the next couple of weeks when I can find some free time, because right now my life is a hectic mess. It is, it and is me- um, we're going to um, we're going to have a look. But if you're interested, uh, Wired Magazine and Guitar.com have both done excellent reviews. It's worth reading. And then uh, I've never met the chap, but I love his videos. Leon Todd, in Australia, great reviewer, great guitar player, based in Australia. Mm. Uh, he's done a little review on it as well, so worth checking out. But me and Joe, maybe we'll um, maybe we'll do it, and then we'll like put it on Instagram or yeah. something. We'll make a new song.
0: Say. We'll make a new song. Yeah. It's going to be
1: great. We'll, we'll jam out um, De Lauste in the comatorium We'll just make all the noise. Well, that's a good um, idea. And, uh, yeah, I always thought if I went to music college now, you know, they always do like an end of term performance. Uh-huh. Um, I think ACM did this more than BIM, but you had to, yeah, like if you were in a band or a guitar player, you could you had to do like a 25 minute performance. I was like, yeah, yeah. Imagine doing like De in the comatorium in full. Uh-huh.
0: What did you do as your end of year?
1: Uh we didn't we didn't really do that. So Bim mm. had so BIM had an end of term performance and anyone uh, BIM could f-
0: BIM for for people oh, not. BIM from- for
1: people from not from England. Uh Bim, Brighton Institute of Modern Music. Um There is a BIM in Ireland as well, Matt. There is a BIM in Ireland, and there's also one in yeah, so Dublin. Institute of Modern Music dim uh so bim i think it's actually <laughs> now the British Institute of Modern They had
0: to Music. change it because when they opened one in Dublin they definitely couldn't abbreviate <laughs> it to dim
1: um so so yeah bim British Institute of Modern Music um i went there in like the second or third year um changed changed my life in some ways in a lot of ways you know not necessarily for being a rock star but certainly for for meeting a lot of people that i still talk to Mm. now in the world in the world of music um and we had like an end of term performance so loads of people could start a band i think everyone had to start a band and then audition a performance in some way shape or form right so i did two end of year shows and I played three times. So I played once in two bands and once in another. The first term that I went in our set band. So I think in, in my course, in the first year I was there, everyone got put into forced bands. And then you had to come up with something. And we did My Favourite Game by the Cardigans, which is, uh, it is the Cardigans that did My Favourite Game, I think. Da, da, da. you know that song massive hit in the 90s Uh, we did that and then the second year yeah the second year we did my band that I was in at the time did an original song and I had my pedal board, which had a DD20 on it and a Cry oh, wow. Baby. Um, We did that, and then I also did. God, I, can't, I completely forgot. I actually did three performances because that year we did. I did my own. We were in my own band. We did that. I then also did "Movies" by Alien Ant Farm, which is also a banger of a song. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the bass player did not play a six-string bass.
0: And we also did
1: "Hold the Line" by Toto. So... Wow, that's not
0: bad. That's a pretty good song. That's a pretty, you know, spot on, spot on track for skill. Ah, yeah, yeah, I can tell you, it was not
1: skilled. Um, and that was it. <laughs> and then, yeah, we did, we did those. So, oh, wow, the end of year, end of year performance, right there.
0: That is impressive. For my, uh, my uh, d- diploma at c- college in music, I just did a Beatles medley. That was it. But, I mean, I will say as a bass player, you're kind of lucking out if you do the Beatles um, because the basslines are insane. You know, Paul McCartney never repeats himself. Yeah, it's too- not like you learn a verse and a chorus. You learn a – you know, it would be so funny when we'd, like, print off tabs for everyone to practice the, the tracks um, at, at college and, you know – everyone would have, the, the guitarists would have like half a page of what the verse, the chorus, and the middle eight was, and I would have three pages of walking bass lines. <laughs> it's funny,
1: actually, I got
0: recommended a video,
1: and I've, I haven't watched it yet, but it was a guy that has learned every single Paul McCartney bass line. Oh, wow. He was just like, I've learned every Paul McCartney bass line, and here's what I learned. I'm just like, that is... Uh, yeah, absolutely bonkers! Like you the say, it's amazing.
0: His bass lines were absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah, so uh, I have to I'll absolutely. I have to. Uh, I have to watch that. Mm. Um, but yeah, well, good for you. A Beatles medley. You could have just noodled around on bass for like <laughs> thirty minutes. And like, wow, what songs? Oh, that was all of them. All
0: of them. Yeah, I all can't of remember what it was. It wasn't that many songs. In there, I think it was because uh, the 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 deployment was very specific. It was Sergeant Pepper's. Uh, we we could only do Sergeant Peppers, so I think it was um, I think it was uh, the the one about friends, and with then with a little with, help from my friends, with a little help from my friends, and Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, and then the uh, the the second version of Sgt. Peppers, the end version, the rock and roll one. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, the one that ends the the, the one that ends the record, and it's a bit more upbeat. It's a little straighter. Um, right. But yeah, I think I think it was those three sort of wedged together with with and he won't mind me saying he's still a good friend and thankfully has abandoned guitar. One of the worst guitarists I've I've ever known, my friend Tim Jones, he, <laughs> he, he, absolutely terrible. He 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 fluffed half of it, honestly, like I had to because it's all on a performance. Half of what I was playing was adjusting to kind of fill in bits that he was missing out. It was uh, it was wonderfully terrible. But whatever. Got Excellent. me uh, got me that qualification. Hey, Matt, you know we were talking about the DS1. Mm. I uh, I just remembered, and having seen it, I guested on the Fret Talk uh, podcast this week, out today when we're recording it, yesterday for you, dear listener, if you're a Patreon, and two days ago, dear listener, if you're not, or at some point in the future if you don't listen real time. But, uh, yeah, I guested it on episode 269 of the Fret Talk podcast, an episode that they have branded the Branton Special, and uh, I spent a long time talking about how good the DS-1 is on, uh, on that episode. So do check it out, dear listener. I totally forgot until they've just posted the description of the podcast. And, <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, I did just talk about the DS-1 for most of that. <laughs> good. Thanks, Joe. Your okay. money is in the post. <laughs> Thank you for sending me cash in the post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now let's talk about uh, some things that you've purchased, Matt. Because uh, you've got Absolutely. a couple of pedals. There is one that you've bought and one that I've sent you. Indeed.
1: Okay. So where do we start? The one that I bought, um, I got sucked in, Joe. I got sucked into the hype. You and got I couldn't what? Say no. I got oh. sucked into the hype. In. Right, um, in. Okay. In. Um, I bought probably along with about a million other people, uh, or, or guitarists of the boutique nature. I bought an MXR Duke of Tone. Of course I did. Uh, so the MXR Duke of Tone, for those of you who maybe aren't aware, um, is a mini pedal from MXR, based on and designed in conjunction with uh, Analog Man, Mike Pierre of uh, Mike Pierre of Analog Man, who makes the King of Tone. The King of Tone pedal is a pedal that is on a four-year waiting list. Um, and is very much a pedal that basically is I guess the the ultimate boutique overdrive, maybe one step below the clon in terms of hard to find, super expensive type thing. Um so you there's a bunch of different revisions of the King of Tones. They're now on the version four. Um I think originally Based off, um, I think there was a bit of tube screamer in there. I think there was a bit of like Marshall Blues Breaker in there. Um, very much a kind of amp like overdrive. Right. So the, the king of tone is two drive circuits in one. We've got volume, gain, and tone. Uh-huh. Um, and you can stack them, you know, run one runs into the other. And then you also have three modes so you have a clean mode an od and a distortion mode um and effectively that changes how much gain there is or how much clipping there is um so uh you've got yeah the normal overdrive mode um which is a kind of little less than a tube screamer um with a bit more volume and that engages soft clipping. You've then got clean mode, which has got less drive, uh, better for clean boosts, still got a bit of drive on it. And then you've got the distortion mode, um, which is a little bit more of a kind of hard distortion. It's more compressed. Um, you can go about twice as loud as a normal tube screamer. Think of this, as they say on their website, a cross between the DS-1 and the OD-1 right uh, overdrives. And then they also do, like, a a super high-gain version as well that you can custom order on their website. So, King of Tone, four-year waiting list, minimum. Uh, You're only allowed to be on there once. Um, If you try and submit multiple (laughs) orders, you'll be kicked off completely. Oh, wow. Um, So, yeah, four-year waiting list. So, they did the uh, Prince of Tone, which is one side of the King of Tone. Still a bit of a waiting list on that one. And obviously... Um, you know, I think we spoke about may- maybe a few months ago now on the podcast. Actually, they were struggling with things like components, finding the right components, fake components, things like that. Waiting list is still huge, um, and I guess you know, looking at other options to kind of allow people to experience that at a more reasonable price and at a more reasonable supply, um, and that's why they've worked with MX produce the Duke of Tone um so a more affordable and compact version without the five-year wait list Uh, and this follows in the footsteps of the um timmy Timmy? and oh what a pedal that was what was the other one what's the other one i'm thinking of joe they did a different they did another one mxr Hmm. i don't know timmy there was the timmy and there was another one, which I've forgotten the name. What? There
0: was another sort of... Com- com- I'm like... sure
1: there was. Am I, uh, I don't making know. that up? Sugar Drive? The Sugar Drive... No. Um. Maybe I'm making it up. But I thought there was another Mini Pedal. Okay. There um, probably is. You're probably right. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, you've got this Duke of Tone. Ordered one the day it was announced. It was actually leaked by a dealer in the US about four or five months ago. Um... And obviously everyone's been like, well, it's obviously coming shortly," and uh, just holding out for it. And I can honestly say, yeah, absolutely, absolutely cracking. I have actually owned uh, King of Tone, stupidly, regret selling it because I would have just got a shed load of cash for it. Now, I think they're like 700 quid if you want to buy one because obviously you don't want the waiting list. Um so i wish i bought one of them i wish i kept it and i've also had a prince of tone as well um <laughs> and yeah really really good solid overdrive now a lot of people long-term listeners to the podcast will be like why have you bought a mini pedal matt you hate mini pedals and i do i hate mini pedals with a passion but i have two very small spaces on my pedal board that can only be filled with mini pedals <laughs> and we were talking about this joe before about um what i'm gonna put on the board Right, yes, of course. And I was like, when I saw this announced, I was like, this is perfect. This is is perfect. It's got enough gain. It does the clean thing if you need it to. I was like, this will be a good shout. Um, And I wasn't wrong. It is excellent. So um, I found, for me, the best setting is the clean mode. With the game kind of crank, so it's like on the edge. Right. Um, there's a little trim pot inside for adjusting extra treble, if you want it to. Um, sort of really just left that untouched. Uh-huh. Um, and then it just sounds beefy. It's got that kind of beefy on the edge, especially with like a strat, just kind of everything's a bit thicker. To me, just a really solid make gooder. Like if you want, if you want to. If you want a modern-day Make gooder, you know, if you haven't updated your Make Goodra pedal for some time, um, this, to me, is absolutely uh, a go-to choice. I think it's fantastic.
0: I am concerned that there isn't a good reason, uh, Matt, and dear listener, not to buy this. Um, they're, I... they're just so... It's such a well-trodden path of, like, Everyone agrees this is a quality product. Everyone agrees this is a versatile product. No matter what style you're playing, this is probably a fantastic drive, stroke, overdrive, stroke, make gooder, uh, this stroke distortion for you. Absolutely. Um, and I- it is like 180 quid, and everyone could get one. I d- this. It looks like a wonderful product. I wish it was in the normal MXR size, but you know.
1: Yeah, it's um I think that's the thing, isn't
0: it? The small pedals, you know. Okay, I get it. But well, you know, uh, you know MXR did that with the, you know, I mentioned briefly, the Sugar Drive. MXR released the Fat Sugar because I remember when the Fat Sugar came out because of the name, I was like, "Oh my goodness, they've done a base version of the Sugar Drive." It's no, they've just it's called the Fat Sugar because it's in a normal housing.
1: Yeah, I, I literally just clocked that. It is neon pink, though. Interestingly, one pedal that's come in under the radar, which I think is quite interesting um, in terms of collaborations, they've also collaborated with Shin's Music of Tokyo, who make the product called the Dumbleoid, uh, which right. is a really expensive, hard-to-find kind of overdrive based on the, the Dumble sound, and the guy that designed that product – Is like the Dumble repair person for Japan. Right? Um, They've done the Mighty Boost, which is um, which I don't think they probably knew that there was a TV program in (laughs) England called (laughs) the Mighty Boost.
0: But they've
1: they've uh, they've made a pedal called the Mighty Boost. Great. Great. I
0: I want to think that they do know.
1: (laughs) uh, I would like to as well. But what's quite cool about this um, is that you've got a presence control. And a boost control. And the might boost internal so with the presence zero, the internal buffer is just driving your signal from pickup to amp. The more presence you dial in, the more effect the buffer has. Right. Which is quite interesting. Um but yeah, I would absolutely have the um I would have the Duke of Tone any day of the week, I think, as a as a solid Um, You know, some of the stuff that MXR are coming out with recently in a mini pedal format, great. You know, you've got the mini thump bass preamp pedal. You've got the Sugar Drive, which is their Klon. You've got the classic 108 Fuzz. um, You know, you've also seen other kind of small pedals from like Blue and things like the Moxie, which is their TS10. And so lots of great options. Um, And so, yeah, totally 100% recommend that. And then, Joe, you're going through a big old... Um, fake plastic trees in I the post. I did
0: send you the fake plastic a, a trees. A
1: big old audio kitchen sized spanner
0: straight oh, yeah. in those works. Which, um, which actually really concerned me, I'll be honest with you Matt, on the podcast live for the best part of the last week whilst you've struggled to actually get it from any, UPS. Any I was like, I was like, I definitely didn't insure that package for as much as a fake plastic trees costs.
1: Um, <laughs> I we put it out there and say this is probably... Not that I could name the other ones, but I'm going to say this phrase anyway. In the top three pedal experiences of a first time plugging in yep. ever. Yes. I just in terms yes. of a drop, I mean, it is just... I, I think I turned it on. Root and Branch, which is basically bass and treble, were pretty much straight up. Gain was just over halfway volume to taste and it was just like yep that's it that yeah. is just a great solid sound so based on a kind of um i mean they say class a hand graded jfet discrete stage modeling the el84 grid clipping profile basically it's when you talk about an amp in a box this is the sound of an amp in a box it is just so so good and i just basically Ah. never wanted to change the controls no yeah how did you how did you receive it did you plug it into an amp or yeah well because it doesn't drive a speaker but obviously it can be used as a preamp you could plug it into a power amp well i
0: i yeah i was using it straight into my interface actually in place of an amp okay and i found that it was an insanely good like pedal platform for being an edge of breakup amplifier as well it kind of meant that I could leave it on my desk and have real-time controls in the same way that you can with something like a Victory V4, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But this one, is smaller. <laughs> no,
1: I was just like – because they actually make a fake plastic trees DI as well. Did I imagine that? Or is that really? – there Oh, it it, maybe they do. No, they do the small trees DI, sorry. And then you've got the small trees, which is the valve boost, big yeah. trees, fake plastic trees, that's it. No, sorry, confusing – Myself and I, I got to say, yeah, I just I know it did win Gear of the Year. Um, mm. you know, and thank you to Audio Kitchen for proudly displaying the Guitar Nerds logo on their website for the fake plastic trees. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think it was based on Thorpe, Mikey, and you had tried it all <laughs> and just like, yeah. and I was there to store cold and left out, and then I plugged it in today <laughs> and gone. Well I've just built my pedal board, so this is a real like stick in the mud um it's just so annoying, that's not the right phrase, but i I basically we need to do this pedal board build off at some point, Joe we need to build these other pedal boards, and I'm going what I was gonna build like a really weird and wacky pedal board, and I'm like, maybe I'll just build a just really solid like the best of the best <laughs> um, but this I would say. It's a little bit more expensive. You're looking in English pounds, but f- just over the four hundred pound mark, including VAT. Um, but Audio Kitchen, very very small outfit out of um, outside of London. Um, Steve and the team, amazing. S- they just know their gear. Do you know what I mean? They Absolutely know their gear, and this is just no, um, you know, it's just no different. It's just an absolutely. I find it thracking.
0: weird that they're so small. Considering the the roster that they have, mm.
1: yeah. I am desperate to add a Audio Kitchen Little Chopper to my setup. I think that to me is just the coolest, the coolest amp. Um, single channel. Um, yeah, the new the- s- super. It's I mean seven watts, single ended Class A. I mean that thing is just so absolutely it's just wicked it's that with cool. the the morgan would just be amazing they do a big chopper i think they do the little squirrel as well they make a big old bass amp as well joe what, what? bass chopper uh, they do a bass chopper
0: yeah the bass chopper oh, is the no. bass player chef
1: the audio kitchen philosophy uh, it is huge the cabinet itself is just like it's like a big old microwave oh yeah
0: that's massive
1: um but yeah i because I had a small trees boost and I sold it, which I shouldn't have done, but I just didn't have it on the board. I mean, again, it's an awesome make good a basically a valve clean boost. I think what I want is that and then I want to run that into the fake plastic trees. Right. Um, I should have bought another one. Shouldn't have sold it. <laughs> I was a fool. Yeah. Um, well, when I move house, I'll have to just go through anything I don't need, sell it, and then just buy other gear. Um, but yeah, fake plastic trees highly recommended. Even one year on from the Gitano's podcast, finally got it after the gear a <laughs> year and Joe <laughs> amazing. So I basically I A-B'd the fake plastic trees and the um, Duke of Tone, and I kind of got right. some similar some similar results. You know, very amp like. You know, kind of got that but similar vibe. Ultimately, for me, the fake plastic tree's won over, but I just don't have the space on my board to put it on, mm. and I kind of want to save it for a different board that's maybe a f- just a few more kind of nice boutique-y bits that I kind yeah. of... Yeah, no, I kind of, you know, maybe have a nice little wooden board from... Um, well, we've got we've got a couple, but, you know, a nice wooden board from... Um, Older Ash, you know, and you just put a kind of, you know, every now and then you just put a really, really solid, stupidly expensive pedal board together of nice stuff <laughs> and look at it and go, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, hi- highly recommended both the Duke of Tone and the
0: fake plastic trees. Really, both really, really solid products. Yeah, they are good. You know, the, the thing for me about not necessarily, not the fake plastic trees, but the big trees, and it was the first thing that really got me to genuinely... Uh, really value audio kitchen because the problem is i have two lives i've spoken about this before but i have i have guitar nerds which where i can get sucked up in all the hype and also bedroom playing is very different from actually needing to gig and i have polymath and the rest of musicians in polymath don't care about what gear what the heritage of the gear is they don't care if it has a low noise jfet super el84 all they care is does it sound good that's all tim our guitarist cares about Mm. and when we were at the studio uh recording our last album i had a um a big trees and he was recording he'd like hired in this uh 1960s vox ac30 to record in And we were talking about a second amp to do some other stuff on and i was like well i've got this big trees and he's like that's not an amp it's a pedal and he's very much like I don't need your guitarhead stuff here. I need like a, cu- a couple of uh, I need a couple of fuzzes and you know a, a cranked vintage amp. I don't need any of this this stuff. And I was like, no, it's really good. Let's run it into a cab and see what you think. And he did, and then recorded all of the second every guitar that's not a Vox AC thirty was a big trees wow. on the record, and then he hated the look of it because it looked hipster to him. You know, like it was like, why Why does this amp look like a pedal? Why has it got this, you know, crazy writing on it? Like, why, why can't it just be a normal amp head? I don't understand. You know, that was his reaction to it. But mm. When he plugged it in, he was like, yes, this sounds excellent. And that's testament to the big trees, really. And to yeah. Audio Kitchen for the products they make. I was like, if you can convince someone who doesn't like gear that it's a good product, then great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, a, a winner, an absolute winner from uh, from Audio Kitchen. I think we talked ages ago, maybe at Birmingham Guitar Show pre-COVID, about going over to their um, their workshop and trying some stuff out and maybe talking on the podcast at some we point. Think. So we should, we should follow that up, Joe. We should definitely make that We should do that. We
0: can travel again now, so we should do that.
1: We can indeed. Believe it or not, we can actually go places. Mm. So, yeah, we should absolutely do that. I think it'd be...
0: Uh, be good to uh, to talk to the guys there and and yeah, try some of the other stuff. Yes, indeed. Right, well that that in fact brings us up to time on this week's episode of the Guitarheads podcast. Matt and I are going to head over onto Patreon, dear listener, where we're going to talk about uh, I don't know. Maybe we're going to talk about some of the victory stuff I got this week. Maybe we'll talk about um, the Joe Bonamass, this new Epiphone. That's pretty cool. We might talk about Al Russell's. New Stratocaster and Stratocasters in general. People seem to be buying a lot of strats on our podcast. And Andy Manley talking about the 1969 Gretsch Corvette that he found for as little as a thousand pounds, dear listener. Indeed, on eBay. So, uh so yes, we'll head over there now. You can join us, dear listener. Become a patron. A supporter for as little as a dollar a month. At the dollar tier, you get this episode ad-free and early. $5 gets you access to our Patreon special and our back catalogue. $10 gets you a lot. Plus, you get your name in the song at the end of the episode. Find us on all your favourite social media platforms. Join the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook. And uh, thank you for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell. Bye. I'm gonna sing all about my Patreon. Do you think you're all about I'm looking at a it up. I'm